0: Welcome to season two of the Anxiously Engaged podcast. I am your host, Rachel Curfew. But if we haven't met yet, I'm a wife, a mother, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and a certified coach specializing in anxiety and helping individuals live their life even more anxiously engaged. You might be thinking, what does that mean? Being anxiously engaged is quite the opposite of being anxious. It's about stepping out of anxiety, out of your fears, and out of the shadows of your life and moving carefully into the light where you get to really shine as you live your life filled with passion, excitement, and energy. Welcome to the show.
1: Oh my goodness, you guys, we are in for a major, major, major treat today. I am here with Starla Moss, who is um, guaranteed to make you laugh today. I'm just sure of it. Uh, Starla is a new friend of mine, and I'm so excited to be getting to know her more. She um, We crossed paths in the Anxiously Engaged Facebook group, um, but what was drawn to me about her is just how... Um, willing and open she was to just chat with me and connect with me and I just have felt a connection to her like the very first little chat we had so I'm so excited to have her on so Starlet, thank you for joining us today.
2: My pleasure of course so excited to be here.
1: Oh I am too and I know that the ladies are gonna love your story um, and I loved you <laughs> we were talking a few minutes ago just before we hit record and you said to me something so beautiful which was everybody has a story and everybody does and that's what's so fun about this podcast is I purposely go out of my way not to have big celebrities or professional speakers not that we can or won't at some point but I love real women with just real Mm -hmm. stories that's who I connect with most and I feel like that that is something that you're going to bring today just a lady Mm -hmm. that we can all love and all connect with and um connect with your story so anyway I'm just super excited so tell us a little bit about you and
2: your story. (laughs) All right. Well, here we go. Everybody brace yourselves and we'll just get into this. Um, I grew up with the four siblings, two brothers, two sisters, and a mom and a dad, um, LDS. And we were kind of the, um, the perfect Mormon family, but behind closed doors, it wasn't so perfect. Um, my dad was pretty hard on us and just kind of emotionally verbally um he was pretty hard um so I dealt with a lot of self-esteem issues um throughout my life um but so that you know so growing up it was hard um it could have been harder I know but it was pretty hard and I had really bad self-esteem um I my senior year I was engaged to a return missionary my dad um worked with his mom and we had to go over to his open house. And I was like, Oh, why, why do we have to do this? I'm 16. Right. So almost 17. And I see him and I'm just enamored. And I remember we were leaving and my dad said, too bad. None of you girls are old enough to, to date him. And I was so sad. I I remember going home and I was just like, I was just so smitten with him. And then I started working for, um, he, he had people, you know, like high school girls do cold calls for Coldwell Banker that's what he worked for and we were all just talk about you know how hot he was and stuff <laughs> anyway I ended up getting being able to get engaged to him so um, but anyway it was February of my senior year and then three weeks after we graduated, I graduated um, we got married and we got married in Salt Lake Temple Oh and God, it was amazing engaged in high school before you I was school. I had I had a rock on my finger and I wow. was so we were pla- we were planning my engagement and my wedding and my <laughs> graduation at the oh. same time my poor mother that's what know. I was just gonna say your mama <laughs> <laughs> my poor mom and then my brother had come home I think um, like March or something, got, got engaged a week—I don't know, week or so after. I mean, it was so fast. So she had two weddings. It was June and August, wow. and my graduation. Wow, yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah, she made my wedding dress too. So,
1: oh wow, what a um,
2: mama! Yes, yeah, she was. She was awesome. So we were married, and everything was just, you know, peachy. And it was the thing about it is, is he needed someone to save, and I needed saving. And it turned into what we didn't know was a codependent marriage. And it's, it's kind of been, you know, lost in with having kids and everything in our life and stuff. And now we're looking at each other like, oh, wow, you know, we had a really codependent relationship. So, um, but we didn't really know, you know, so we, we had our five kids. I had, I did have a miscarriage. The first one was a miscarriage and I was, I think we were two, let's see. One year into being married. And that was just, I mean, I, I still am just like, I get chills, but it was so soul crushing. And I'd never been through like a death, like in a family or, or anything really, anybody really close. Yeah. And I remember I was only two months along, but I remember thinking either I can go crazy with this or I can get through it. And I just chose to get through it. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was so sad. I mean, it's 25 years ago and I'm still sad. Um that is but
1: still a loss it, a major it loss.
2: was yeah, it just was so it was it was uh, a lot. my husband says I, I'm different I was you know I was different after that just because it was so sad but I mean I was lucky to have five kids after that. So we had our first one and then our I was six months pregnant and I was I mean six months, he was six months and I was six months and then I was pregnant and I was like, what so we had this little tiny baby and i found out i was pregnant i told my husband i was like no i'm not pregnant that people that do that are so weird that have <laughs> kids that close <laughs> i'm like i'm so anti that and then guess what i was surprise! pregnant so yay! and she she was such a good surprise um so that they, they were 15 months apart and you know what it was the most enjoyable i loved that time so much yeah. it was so hard but it was so it was just so amazing. And, you know, I never wanted to get married, um, for so long and I didn't want to have kids. I didn't think I wanted to have kids. And I remember when I was dating my husband and my, my dad told me, he goes, okay, if you get married before you're 25, because we had this joke, you know, he's like, then I don't have to pay for the wedding. So I signed a contract and everything. And then (laughs) it was today's two days before I turned 19, I got married. So that didn't, that was (laughs) a void, but he, he paid for it because it it was in the temple and that was important. So, um, Mm -hmm. but, um, so yeah, trying to think here. Um, and then we had, we had our five kids. So anyway, the oldest, I knew something was wrong with him at uh, 15 months and I was like, something is not right. And then at 18 months, I was like, I knew something was definitely not right. And my doctor's just like, eh, you know, whatever. And Um, and then I, you know, he wasn't talking and he wasn't walking. Like when I had Monica, my second child, he wasn't even walking. So I was like hauling these kids both around. Um, but it turned out he was autistic. Um, he's high functioning. He's kind of on, you know, kind of Asperger's. So, Uh I mean, some people say it's the same thing now, but, um, wow. And you know what, back then, I mean, he's 24 and they, Back then they did not have the mom groups, they didn't have information, nobody was telling me how to do it. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is raise somebody with special needs. And yeah, and for my husband too, it was just so consuming. Um, and not in a bad way. It wasn't consuming in a bad way, but I I it really was hard, I think, for my other kids because it was very much about him and what he could handle and what he needed and and any any anyway but you guys you know what he just became a garbage man he uh is oh. he's always obsessed with garbage trucks and we would face <laughs> them and we would what he would watch them and he just loved them so much and he he did he just became full-time a garbage man I and isn't that. that amazing that's so oh, gosh. cool it's so, it's so amazing him. I know. Cause you know, when he was three, I was like, is he going to be able to drive? Is he going to get married? You know, all those things. And he's a welder also. Nice. It's just amazing what they can do. And you know what, what, and he, he is, has been my special person forever, you know, like he's, he's my boy and, um, I wouldn't have changed it. And even he said he wouldn't have changed what he went through, which was a lot. Um, so then we had our kids. I think I had three kids. And then one day I came home and I was like, you know what? I have such bad self-esteem. I really want to get help. So I wrote to Doctor Phil. Oh wow! And he had just gotten his show. So he he would just come off of Oprah and he was getting his own show and stuff. And I wrote to them. And two hours later I got a call and it was a producer and he asked me a bunch of questions. Anyway, it was about, it was a show about self matters. His book is mm-hmm. called self matters. And, um, he said, okay, well, um, I will call you tomorrow by the way, this never ever happens. And I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> so he called Friday and he said, you're flying out Monday and you'll come home Wednesday. And so oh, I went words. to so the doctor show. So fast <laughs> It was really fast. And you don't meet Dr. Phil you just go on stage like you're an actress which I always wanted to be an actress so it was a okay with me
0: yeah and then
2: we went to Hollywood we were in Hollywood we had the driver in the black car we had the really nice hotel and the nice restaurants and um, I even had my own dressing room with the bolt you know the light bulbs around the mirror at Paramount Studios
1: oh wow it
2: was just magical you guys <laughs> um, and then you have a green room and you all go on well there was four other people. There was a model, which I was so mad about, but I'm good with it now. Uh, and a man <laughs> and I, and another woman. Uh-huh. So we all went up there and he was really, he was so nice to us and he was so helpful. And, you know, he sat right in front of me and told me I looked like a million bucks and was so sweet and stuff. And people always ask me, they're like, well, did it help you? And I think it did, but I also think it's almost like an addiction. It's like something when you have, when you hurt so bad and your self-esteem is so low, you every day have to work on it. Like every day you have to pick yourself up and you have to say, I am worth this. And some days you can't, but you just have to try and just keep getting up and trying. And eventually it'll, it'll click and you'll be, you'll be able to do it. So it, that's kind of what happened with that. Um, and then my marriage started to get hard after that. Um, I don't really know what, except for that, you know what, you guys, I put my kids before my husband yeah. and I think it was easier because they loved me. I loved them. I got a lot of love from them, you guys. And I've apologized to them because I used them. And even up until their teenage years, you know, I used that to fill my cup instead of filling my own cup and I when I realized I did that I was horrified I was like whoa you know that's so not healthy but I apologized to them and I think I just wish I I hear you know you hear it all the time don't put your kids before your husband and I used to I used to hear that but I I thought I never did that but I so did and he would just got pushed he just got pushed in the back and so our marriage just kind of it just went to the backside, you know Um, we were still really good friends and we got along and, in all of that stuff, but we sort of fell out of love. Um, and so as things started to get harder, he wasn't a real hands-on dad. So, um, I did a lot of it. Um, and then I also got human parvovirus, which is called fist disease. So my, my son brought it home when he was in elementary school. And it's called slap cheek. So they have like a, a handprint on their face. Um, but apparently if you get it as an adult, you it's really, really bad. Kind of like if you get chicken pox as an adult. And I one day I just couldn't move. And so we, we went to the ER and I was in the hospital on morphine. I just watched the clock and pushed it as, as much as I could. For six days. And then on the sixth day, the doctor came in and said, You have parvovirus. And I was like, I have a dog disease. Like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, What? So crazy. Um, I know. So then they said, Well, you'll have flare ups where you hurt, you know, like um, for two years, just what, you know, up until two years. Oh, wow. And so, but it never went away. So I, um, it took 17 years for them to finally say that I have rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia. So I waited 17 years for them to figure it out. And I knew all the time, the whole time that I have rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. And the last doctor I saw reluctantly did an MRI on my hands. And then he knew, saw it. Yeah. And I'm seropositive. So, so anyway, that I got that lucky disease (laughs) from I don't know. I guess I think it's from, you know, like your trauma and just things. I've heard other people have gotten that this after that kind of thing too. Um, But that was really hard because I couldn't function very well. Yeah. And we, we had our fifth kid. We moved from Montana to Utah. We had, and we had a puppy too. And I, and my baby was five weeks old and we moved there And I think I had the baby blues, but I didn't know that I did, but I was just zoned out and I just ate McDonald's a lot. (laughs) I just zoned out. Um, But, but it was, but it was, it was okay. Um, So that's when I started. Oh, go ahead. You, you go ahead. I was just going to say, you've had
1: like, like like every, everybody does, but you have had one thing after another, mm-hmm. after another, after another. So through all those years, when you were like, you're young, married, um, and just being young and that's kind yes. of, a, especially my kids have kids that are, you know, college age could potentially mm-hmm. be married. They're not yet, but, um, they're in their twenties, but gosh, when I was growing up in high school, in your 20s, you were married. If you were living in Utah, yes. you were married. And so you don't get a lot of life experiences from that time when you finish high school and get married so young. And so then yeah. you jump into marriage so quickly. And then one thing after another, after another, after another, and babies and health things and strange, weird mm-hmm. dog diseases. <laughs> 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 How through all of that were you staying? forward how are you just moving forward every day because I'm sure some days like you said numbing out McDonald's I'm sure you had days like Mm -hmm. that but when you also add on top of that a kid with special needs a husband kind of distanced a little bit in some ways like how did Mm -hmm. you not fall into a bigger depression or spiral down or
2: I, I you know I don't really know except for when from the beginning of getting married until I had my fifth kid. I just got through it, and I was very happy. Um, and I got through that, and then I did get sick. And I don't think that I thought I was a strong person. I just did what I had to be done. Yeah. And and all through it, I'm thinking, well, I'm nobody, but I'm but I I'm gonna take care of my kids. I'm gonna love my kids. I'm not gonna let what happened to me happen to my kids. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. some of that did trickle down. You know, you pass on what you learn from your parents. Um, I don't know, you know, I just pushed and pushed and pushed myself. And I just felt like I was just getting done what needed to be done. And I didn't feel special. I didn't feel like anything I was going through much or was one of those strong LDS women or anything like that. And I think that just stemmed from bad self-esteem. Yeah. But when we moved to Iowa, which was just after um just after Utah, that's pretty much when it hit. And I got really, really depressed there. Um, like the seasonal depression. And then I pretty much gave myself permission to be sick in a, like self-consciously, um, I hurt so bad head to toe all the time, never relief, never, ever relief. And it, that consumes you when you're trying to raise five kids. And they would go to school and I was so upset that my five kids, I mean, think about it. This is my love, right? This is like where I fill my cup and all of them are gone all day. Yeah. So then there's me. And so I was, that transition was very hard for me. So then I was depressed and I just, I just let myself go. I let myself go physically. I let the house go. Um, It was a dark time in our lives and I'm not proud of it. I had a doctor that was giving me too, too much pain medicine, Mm -hmm. um, which was unfortunate for our family. Um, but then I stopped doing that and we moved here. Um, but during I mean, our whole family, just my, my husband kind of self-diagnosed a tumor. He had a tumor in his head. So there was that. And then he was just kind of, I think he was pretty depressed during that time. And my son was getting bullied really bad. And financially, I would call my mom because every single day, like something that cost a $1,000 would happen. And I would just call her and say, guess what, guess what happened today? It was just, it was so bad. And I think that those years were just, I mean, they were so hard with with Cody being autistic, with his bullying. Um, Monica was, um, you know, trying to figure out if she liked girls or boys. Um, there was just a lot. I had snakes in my basement. We had rodents. <laughs> I lived in a farmhouse. Never stop <laughs> for you. <laughs> but it's actually a funny thing, but they weren't poisonous or anything. But we yeah. we lived we lived in a really nice white big farmhouse with the porch, you know, with oh, the five yeah. acres of grass. Yeah. And yeah. it was beautiful but we did have snakes in the basement okay. and so, so we would go down there every day and be like he where's a snake and uh, when people would come like when guys would come to fix the washer we'd be like um just so you know watch where you <laughs> stop they, <laughs> they would be so scared and then go down and get the snake for them Oh, and there was just you know it's a lot of really fun things happened there too you yeah. know we'd have a possum stuck in the garage or a raccoon or you know we just we had, I fried had frogs in my laundry, little tiny sticky frogs. And there were, there were a lot of really good things that happened, but overall, those are the times that were really hard for our family that we had to pick up and try and figure out. <clears throat> and once we moved to, to back to Montana, um, so the kids are a little older and stuff. Um, I can't remember exactly when I started, you know, throughout this whole time. I was really trying to fix my self-esteem and fix what had happened and how I was dealing with things because I really did let it consume my marriage and myself and my family because I was very upset and I was, I wanted to love myself. I used to pray to heavenly father. I'm like, just let me think I'm pretty. That's all I'm asking. I don't care if I'm not just let me think I'm pretty because I had body dysmorphic disorder, but just with my face, not my body. And, but when I looked in the mirror, I would see like distortion, kind of like an alien, like it was just so interesting, but I, I just wanted it to go away. I just wanted, I mean, that's a, it's a, you know, when you're being told you're ugly your whole life, you, you think you're ugly. That's what you're getting hypnotized to believe, you know, and you don't know anything else. And
1: um, when you, I mean, when the younger we are too, the more impressionable we are, yes. like, are going to just soak all that up, especially if it's people around us that are supposed to love mm-hmm. us or take care of us too. Yeah. Believe and, it, yeah. It's not true.
2: Right. Cause when you're, when you're a baby, you love yourself. And when, when you are like about 18 months, you can understand. And that's when you start getting the natural man, you get, you know, well, you did this wrong. You don't know how to somersault. You don't know how to do this. And that stuff gets stuck in your head. And then you've got teachers doing it. You've got, I had boys at school saying bad things, you know, and being mean. Um, So it's a lot. And then I just wanted to not necessarily fix myself, but I wanted to get healthy in my head. And I, I've seen therapists and whatever, but I've also tried, because you have to do the work yourself, You cannot rely on a therapist to do it for you. He gives you the tools. He or she gives you the tools. You have to work on it yourself. You have to want it. And I wanted it so, so badly. And so now I'm 44 and it just, it has just happened for me where I don't think I'm ugly. I don't, I love myself. I think I'm amazing. I think I can do hard things. Um, and you know, what's funny is I'm the oldest I've ever been. I'm the most overweight that I've ever been. And I love myself now. Yes. This is the time that I've decided I'm okay. And I'm worth loving and I'm a good person, you know, and I'm, I'm, everybody is, everybody's worth loving no matter what. And everybody is beautiful to someone. I might not be beautiful to you, but I'm beautiful to someone. You know what I mean? I love like, that. Because everybody has their own perception. And you have to realize that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Rachel thinks I'm beautiful. It only matters if I think I'm beautiful. And once you get that, you can't get hurt by what other people say or think about you or do. Um, because you know, you know, you know what you believe and that's it. You know, like we, when our kid colors a paper or whatever, and they bring it to you and they say, is this pretty? And I said, well, you know, do you think it's pretty? Because that's the only one that matters. That's it is if you think it's pretty. And I just really believe that. I just think that everybody has value. And for so long, I, I lived in with anxiety and fear and I lived with negativity and complaining and I wasn't happy. And just recently I was like, well, why don't I live the other way? Like, what is it going to hurt? What is it going to hurt if I love myself and don't let fear and anxiety control me or shame or guilt or complaining or negativity. So I decided to see the good in everything. And I decided I wrote, I wrote down, I will, I give up fear. I give up anxiety. I give up. And what I mean is not give it up all the way, but I'm not going to let it control me. I'm going to control my emotions. And you know what? I never thought that you could control your own emotions, but you can, and when you can, it is so liberating. You will never go back.
1: Yeah. It is freedom. It is total freedom.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, everybody suffers from anxiety and anxiety is real. Um, but now that I, I, I did do that. My body doesn't feel it. I don't feel it in my body where my chest is hard, you know, squished and I can't breathe. And um, it's just, it's just kind of, and I think it helps my pain, you know, because stress and all those things are worse for your pain, but my body will just feel just relaxed. And I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know what happened or when the switch got, you know, flipped, but it's a good thing. I, I love it. Um, my marriage is still Rocky, but we're working on it. Um, I just know he's my person and he knows I'm his person, and we love each other, and the thing about um, giving, you know, giving up on marriage or whatever, or not giving up, but choosing to separate or get divorced, I just feel like you're gonna go do the same thing with somebody else, so I told my husband, I said, well, why would we, when our kids are leaving, why would we give up on each other, you know, and I'm just like, it's just If I knew he wasn't my, like my person, like I know he's my person. And I know when my, when I read my patriarchal blessing, it's him, it's not someone else. And I just want to fix it and do whatever I can. And you know what that takes is me fixing me and him fixing him. And then we can be happy together. It's not me thinking he needs to fix himself and him thinking I need to fix myself. Yeah. And it takes a lot of selflessness in marriage. And I feel like we need to work on that. And communication, communication is a big one. We talk all the time, but we cannot communicate. I still don't know when he's teasing me because oh. <laughs> I, that's how dumb it is, seriously. <laughs> I'm like, He's like, I'm teasing. And I'm like, I don't know that. I'm like 26 years and I don't know when you're teasing. So, that's So communication, funny. yeah. Communication is definitely the the big tool to that
1: did he um um, when so can you guys knew each other
2: in high school you're engaged in high school well he was a return he was a return missionary but i was. yeah but i were were in high school school. yes but we we went out so he's five years older than me
1: but he must have thought as he's returning home from his mission and he's dating you engaged to you he must have thought you were beautiful like I, I did, think so. <laughs> yeah. How did yeah. I mean, how did his uh there you know, he looks through his eyes, he sees a gorgeous woman that he wants to. Mm-hmm. How did that affect you through even though there were ups and downs in your marriage? Like how did his love and his value and definition of beauty, how did that mm. apply in your how
2: did that work out? That in- is such a good question. Um, so when, when we were dating. And the thing about it is, is by my senior or by my junior year, I knew I was okay. And then by my senior year, I knew I was pretty, but I knew I was ugly to me. I was ugly, but I knew I was pretty. So it was really, it was a really weird thing. And it, it's a mental game, you know, so mental. And I would always want, um, people to tell me I was pretty because if they told me I was, I could think that for a minute, I wouldn't believe them, but I could think that for a minute. And with him, he just was my knight in shining armor. He was my dream. When I was 13, we all sat around at a slumber party and we described our future husbands and he was exactly that. And I, we were so madly in love and uh, we just knew early on that, you know, we were supposed to be together and he was, he was so nice to me and and told me I was beautiful and all that, and it made me feel really good. And I needed it so much, and he filled, you know, he filled my cup, and yeah, it was amazing. And then when we got married, so my love language is words of affirmation, okay. and his is touch. And he's not a words of affirmation kind of guy. He's just yeah. real quiet, and he does stuff. In, in other ways to show me that I, that he loves me, but I don't know that. And he doesn't tell me. So we see our communication. Like, it's just very, <laughs> yeah, we need to work on it, but, <laughs> and see growing up, my dad would kind of get mad if we touched him. So I have a hard oh, time touching my hard. husband.
1: Yeah. Touching so husband.
2: You know what I mean? Like if he's yeah. sitting on the couch, going up to him and sitting and putting my arm in his is hard, but wow. Isn't that weird? Okay. So that's so weird. It's not
1: weird because, I mean, if we've been through something traumatic as a kid, little things like that can trigger those fears from when we're little. So it's it's not weird. It's really normal. It's just everybody has a different thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then he found out he had child issues. He thought he had a great childhood. And then later on, he kind of found figured out there were some problems. There were some issues. And so he's like trying to work through that stuff and we kind of swapped spots because he was very confident when I met him and very, um, sure of himself and he thought he was good looking and just, and we've kind of swapped spots where he's kind of suffering a little bit from depression and kind of feeling, um, kind of, you know, being hard on himself while I'm trying to, you know, fix myself, but
1: You've, you've done I a think, lot of work though to get you've done a lot of work yeah. he may not have had as much chance to do some of his work right
2: yeah. right and he he also is he kind of thinks the therapist should be doing more mm-hmm. where he and I tell him I'm like you have to do the work so yeah because the therapist is not gonna is not gonna fix you
1: even if they wanted to, they can't no. yeah no
2: can't. it has to be you yeah. you have to want it you got to work hard for it yeah. You have to really work hard for it. So, I mean, you know, that's like 20 or 26 years that I've been trying to fix my, not fix myself, but trying to just to love myself and to think that I'm okay. And you know what, when you do everything around you looks better, feels better, people will flock to you. They will see that love and that joy and, and just radiation, you know, you radiate it and they see that and so I don't know and I just feel like you can every day you can get stronger and stronger and stronger and and just never give up just you know
1: that it sounds like I mean like um, so many people's journey it's a little bit every day and you just keep at it but through that because you said a few minutes ago like you're finally here where you're like, I've made a choice, I've done the work, I look in the mirror, I like me, I feel good about me. Mm -hmm. Was there something, um, I know besides the little daily work, but was there something else that helped you just like flip that switch? Mm -hmm. Something you learned from a therapist or an exercise you did or something you taught yourself? Or was there just something that Mm -hmm. to cement all that work that you've done together?
2: It's hard, it's kind of hard to say. I think, I feel like something did kind of, kick in. I think that I, my husband, okay. So my husband asked for a divorce in June, but I, we talked and I said, please, you know, let us give us a chance. He was other stuff was going on. It was really difficult. And I think that he was just thinking something had to go so that, and then everything else would be better.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but he just was, there was a lot on our plates and, um, Oh gosh, now I have to think about this. So um anyway, I he wanted me to be happier. Can you imagine being married to someone who hates themselves? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a lot. That's and rough. he he felt like he was in like in charge of my happiness yeah. and in charge of my emotional stability, and I cannot believe that I put that on him. Yeah. Um I didn't know any better and I needed it from him he fed it to me. So here's the thing is like, we were so codependent that we would always work on me. And I was always the problem in my marriage. And when I, and growing up since those problems, we would always focus on me, but we never focused on what he brought to the table. And I'm just learning all this stuff. Like, wait a minute. It's not all me. Wait a minute. He's not perfect. Wait a minute. I am a woman. I have been through things. I am strong. I and um, you know, I—I I mean, just all those things. And I think that me wanting it so bad and trying to change for him too, but not him. But here's the thing: is like when I go to therapy and I would talk about him and this and that, it's just not—it's not about him. It's about me, right? And that's what my therapist would say. You know, let's fix you. And then everything else can just whatever, but let's work on you. And so that really helped me. And I, I was like, you know, I used to tell her, I told Steve, I said, that's my husband. I said, you know, I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to be amazing. And if you leave me, somebody else is going to enjoy that yeah so that's awesome. just so you know that
1: just so you know <laughs> just so
2: you know in there all
1: this time are you sure you want to miss out on the awesome? exactly
2: <laughs> like you don't want to miss out just telling you yeah that's cute. <laughs> but but yeah I think that I once I decided for myself that I loved my like I wanted it for myself not to make my husband happy yeah. like I want to lose weight for myself not yeah. for him Um, And I want to love myself for myself and I want to love myself for my kids. You know, I think that one of the biggest things that I would have changed, and there's a lot of things I would have changed, but loving myself and my kids knowing that I loved myself is one of them. I would have definitely changed because even if your mom's not saying, oh, I look so ugly, you, you still can tell if they don't like themselves and there wasn't for me there wasn't self-care I didn't um you know I didn't really not not take I mean I showered and I got makeup on because I love makeup um but not self-care because I didn't think I was worth it like even even uh, you know putting lotion on myself I'm like yeah you know I have other stuff I need to be doing just stuff like that so the self-care is a big thing like for sometimes like the other day I can't remember what it was I put lotion on myself and I got myself a drink of water and drank a bunch of water. And I was like, yay for me. Cause I did some self-care yeah. and that's really, really important that you know, that you are worthy of having of doing self-care and making sure that you're taking care of, because like they say in the plane, when you need oxygen and the masks fall, you got to put it on yourself first, which for moms I think is so difficult and I never understood that. I, I was like, but, 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 but you got to help the other people, Yeah. but it's not true. And that's the same thing with loving yourself, taking care of yourself, just all of it together. And I think that, um, when, when you are working on yourself and your spouse may not be, that's going to fall over onto them. They're going to see you working on yourself. You're going to be an example. They're they're going to see that they can do it too. And they're going to see that how much they want it.
0: Well, so,
1: like, role you know, not just for your spouse, but your children, for your kids. Too. And yep. like, even if it's like later on, if they didn't get it when they were little as much, mm. you can still say, Hey, look, this is my journey. And, and this is what yes. I've learned. And, and let me show you now what it means. And
2: yes. And and that's what I want to do with my marriage too, is I want to stay married. I want my kids to know it can be hard But this second half of our, of our marriage can be amazing. And I, I'm not willing to give it up because if we, if one of us didn't love the other one, then I would say divorce, but we still love each other. So, and I've heard from many people, you know, that you can fall back in love with each other and it can be even better. And I'm willing to do that work. And, and I want my kids to see that because I think that's so important, even though they've lived through an unhappy sort of marriage. I want them to see that it could still work, you know?
1: Yeah. And I love that because one of the things I learned years and years ago, having been divorced and now remarried, mm-hmm. I think we live in a society where we think people and relationships are disposable,
2: disposable. And, and yes. they're
1: not. a relationship mm-hmm. is not something you just throw out no. because you hit a rough patch. It's yes. It, you, and we need to role model for our kids that It's okay to have, if you're a grown-up to have a problem, it's also, let me show you how to struggle through it. And also let me Mm -hmm. show you how to solve it or to be loyal or to hang in there or whatever. There's so many lessons in there besides just quit and throw somebody out. They're disposable. That's so tragic for our youth right now that sees so much divorce.
2: Well, and they just want, and I'll, somebody I was talking to, I'm like, well, if you if you're going to get divorced, why don't you, I mean, if they're, if they're just going to live together, then why would they even do the wedding? And they're like, but that's what they want is the wedding. And I'm like, aha. So it just drives me crazy. And I think that young couples, I think you should immediately go into therapy or as, as a young couple, because I think that it would have helped Steve and I so much if we knew how to communicate with each other and we got through our, you know, the, our childhood stuff because it's it really has consumed a lot, lot yeah. of our of our family and and life um I and then i, I want to oh, go ahead
1: i was just gonna say i know several couples that i thought this was so cool because it was young couples who did this you mm-hmm. went and did counseling a, just a little bit, just to help kind of make sure they talked about everything important and uh, and kind of like laid everything out on the table before the wedding. Yes. But even that would make such a huge difference, a huge to be difference. Able, for somebody to navigate a conversation and say, have you talked about like finances because people fight yes. money all the time like how are you going to set up your money and what was your mm-hmm. money situation like growing up what did your parents do and you know just
2: yeah and, and not
1: just money but like about children or, or who's cleaning and who's working and who's mm-hmm. what role and gosh if we could have a few empowering conversations like that yeah. before we got married yeah. even that would help some because
2: I agree talk,
1: even in the best situation it yes. is hard some days
2: Exactly. And I also think that we should find a couple that we look up to and kind of, you know what I mean? And have that, if you don't have a, a, you know, a a role model in your parents, but looking up to another couple that you can kind of ask them questions or kind of just anything like that. I just think that that would be so helpful. It would have been for us. So much,
1: yes. especially us that get married so young, so young, we need some good role models and yes. some people that have our back and understand yes. and can, we can ask real honest questions to, and they mm-hmm. can be real and honest with us. Yeah, I, I totally,
2: mean. I totally agree too. and yes. especially the ones that um are engaged and get married within like three months. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know yeah. we were together a year and yeah. um which was really helpful but because we did have time for those conversations and stuff yeah um but you know the one thing that we've never fought about I think that couples probably always have that one thing you know and ours has been our kids we've just never had any problems with our kids like how we parent which has been really nice um I mean, I wish our marriage would have been the, the nice part, but it wasn't, I just hope that my kids get over it. I don't know. Cause it's so hard what we do to our kids. And I have a daughter, she's 22, the second one, she Uh doesn't talk to me. She cut me off. So that's been really, it's been like a year or so. So it's really, it's really hard. That's kind of a trend now too, is to block your, your parents and cut them off or whatever. Um, so that one, that's hard. That's difficult. Yeah, and you much. know, yeah. And she, she would go out to lunch with my husband, and she hangs out with her sisters, and they would go do a birthday party thing. And uh but she did just cut out her dad too. So oh darn it. Like,
1: oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, at least there were some connections. But if I she's know. cutting out more, yeah. that's not good. So that's yeah,
2: hopefully. He was pretty-
1: hopefully she will gain some life experiences and some knowledge and,
2: and around, but that's all That's I hope. Yeah, I really hope so. Um, but you know what else is, I think sometimes I wish I, I mean, I think that would be nice if you're trying to figure out, figure out stuff and your mom's a trigger, then that is hard. If I'm texting, and saying come see me or why aren't you over here you know stuff like that and maybe she needs that time because she is going to therapy and and she's trying to work on some stuff but
1: you know I'm proud of her for being you know going and doing her work but I'm also yeah. proud of you for recognizing that you don't have to be like fixing her or forcing uh-huh. her or um and it's like you're allowing her to do this in her way on her time. And, and she'll, yeah. she'll, she'll figure it out a lot better if she's not feeling like there's this pressure, yes. mom forcing things. And
2: exactly. And, and it took really a long great, time,
1: great. Yeah. it
2: took a long time, but then I made the decision. I was like, you know what, gosh, my parents have been triggers. So if I'm a trigger, she needs, you know, space yeah. and that's all she's asked for is some space. So but let me tell you, I've never felt pain like I have with having kids. Yeah. it is some serious pain but the love definitely yep. over it outweighs it and i do it again so yeah, you've got to you know. have the
1: good and the bad to, <clears throat> yeah yeah you've got to have both opposition in all things right we've got to have yeah. both sides of it so but you
2: know what but nobody ever told you or told us or me how hard it is when they get older
1: it i is. was like why Why did everybody tell me this? I I thought parenting was hard when they were little. But as I got older, I'm like, no, it was (laughs) physically hard. Because you're tired and running around and chasing kids. It's physically exhausting. But I think as they get older, at least for me, the mental and emotional
2: is way
1: more exhausting and more difficult. Yeah.
2: Exactly. But you know, they're so much fun when they get older, when they're teenagers, I have had so, so much fun with my girls and my boys. I mean, I just so much, so much, so many good memories and we're just like really, really close. I know they have their issues and, um, you know, another thing is, is forgiveness, teach your kids forgiveness because it's not just for you or that, you know what I mean? Like, it's not for them to do it just because you did something wrong but it's for them so they can let go so they can heal so that they know that it hurt, but people are people, parents aren't perfect. And when they let that go and are able to forgive, it is so much healthier for them. So you're not letting, you're not letting someone off the hook. You're, you're, you're releasing it from yourself.
1: Absolutely. I spend so much time teaching women Mm -hmm. to forgive. Not, it's not always about others, like forgiving others. is a lot easier than forgiving ourselves.
2: Yes.
1: Forgiveness is a freedom process. And Mm -hmm. again, not just what you said. It's not saying, well, what this other person did was, was okay. Or that we're letting them off the hook. We're freeing ourselves from the pain of Mm -hmm. it. exactly powerful so you've learned a ton of really cool lessons because you've been talking about um, improving your self-esteem you're working Mm -hmm. on marriage you've got communication growth you've been having with your children Mm -hmm. with your husband you've uh, talked about like self-care I love the lotion because I actually teach a lotion strategy I talk about all the time to help with anxiety so I loved your lotion and just drinking water even also good self-care You've also talked about being brave and vulnerable and doing the hard work Mm -hmm. talked about even like marriage and like hang in there it's worth it so you've had like all of this stuff that's brought you to this moment where you are now. And you are doing like some super cool stuff now that you like decided, hey, I'm beautiful. I'm okay. I've done my work. I've freed myself from, you know, all of this other stuff that I held on to for so long. So now Mm -hmm. that you've gone through child years and husband years, like working together on improving your relationship, like all these things has brought you to here. So tell us like... Mm -hmm where are you now like what goodness has come in the last year or two and from all of this adventure of life that you've been on
2: well i'll I'll tell you um I think this probably had a big uh impact too but I almost died two years ago oh my gosh <laughs> um, <laughs> so i went to the i had influenza a and I was really sick and I called my mom and I said mom I think I'm dying can you come get me and I'm really dramatic you know so i I mean, but it was actually true. She came and got me. I barely could tell her where to go. I walked in. We waited. I talked to them, got checked in. We waited. Um, And they did the oximeter where they read your oxygen. It was 40%. Oh, way low. That's pretty much dead. Yeah. That means you're pretty much walking dead. So they got me on oxygen. (laughs) They thought the machine was broken, but they got me on oxygen and sent me in an ambulance to the hospital. I was in a coma from for like nine to 12 days. It depends on which family member is telling me because um, <laughs> I do not know. Um, and it was medically induced, but I had swine flu from 2010, double pneumonia and staph infection. and I was hanging by a thread. So it was December 21st. and do you know what? I had this was the first time I've ever had Christmas all the way ready. I had it all the way ready, went in. Um, but my husband had to tell them, and they didn't know they, they honestly thought I was going to die. And so my husband had to sit my kids down and tell them I was probably going to die. He was maybe almost going to have to pull the plug even because oh my lungs
1: stars.
2: and they thought that I was going to have really bad brain damage just because of the oxygen level that I was at. Um, and then I woke up and I was saying bigger words than when I you know, went under and everything was Fine. I had to relearn how to walk and move again. I was in the hospital for a month. Um, you know, when you almost die, <laughs> that brings a lot to you. Yeah. yeah. It, it changes you and your outlook and what you've done. And I feel like, I feel like I, I had the choice to either come back or go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I gotta, you know, I gotta stay for my kids can't, I can't leave them. So, but I feel like I was, I walked with heavenly father. I feel like I was with Christ and, you know, we did our jumping up and down and got to hug each other. Cause we got to see each other. Um, my, and I feel like my grandparents were there and they were telling me to fight. Wow. So that, that was a hard time. The other hard part about that is my husband goes in shutdown mode. And so he had no emotion. Yeah. And so when I woke up, And all of that, he was just like, you know, there's just no emotion because for him it was shut down, take care of everything it has to get taken care of. But for me, protect his heart, protect his heart, yes, yeah. Which I totally didn't understand until now. Like, I didn't get it, and it was so hard for me. I'm like, what was wrong with you? Why didn't you care? Why didn't you care? And now I understand because I've been sick, you know, December, January, and February in the hospital. And this last time when he came in, I was like, oh my gosh, I finally understand. He's the worst visitor. He's terrible. (laughs) He just sits there and he's just like, even when I was having my babies and I was like, what's wrong with him? You know, but I finally understood him, what he did, what he's doing at home and with kids and dinners and stuff. That's how he's showing me that he loves me. Yeah. It's not coming to the hospital and going, oh, Starla, don't die. I love you. You know, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) which which I'm over there going, why isn't he doing that stuff? (laughs) (laughs) That's just not who he is. That's not how he works. And we have to accept people for what they can do. We cannot expect them to be something else. And I have done this my whole marriage. I have been so hard on him and have expected him to be somebody totally different And I'm just realizing, like, how, how much we put on each other, and how we didn't need to, but we just needed to let each other be, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not as clean as him, I, I collect stuff, but that has to be okay. You know, my car might have a couple things of garbage, and his is perfectly clean, but that's okay. But that has to be okay, because that's me. And that's him. And he can say, oh, can you get those out before we go? And I'd be like, oh, sure. You know, if we go together in my car, but we have to make sure that people are not, we, we can't expect them to be the way we are. It they are not the same as us and that's okay, but we have to let them be their own person and love them like that. Yeah. So, so you've learned so some amazing lessons through all of it. I have amazing for lessons. sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, you know, they always say, you know, the whole God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And, you know, you're going to learn through these lessons, you're going to be so grateful. And I always think that's insane to think that I will come out of this thinking, oh, that was, you know, that taught me so much, but it did, you know, and that's, I don't mean, that's where we want to get And if it's that kind of journey. I mean, I feel like we're all on the same kind of journey. It's just different. And you have to take what you can take from it, whether it's the bad or the good, you can focus on the bad stuff or you can focus on the good. And I think that is what I've learned yeah. is I can pick at the bad stuff and be, and stay there, or I can see the good and stay there. And I choose to see the good. Yeah.
1: So, I yeah. Okay. Yeah. So- I love that lesson. Usually at the end of the podcast, I ask people like advice or something they learned, but you definitely already shared what you learned. (laughs) I love that. You know, you get to choose to see the positive. You get to choose to be the good.
2: Yeah. Uh, I love
1: that. Yeah,
2: exactly. So
1: all of these life lessons though have led you to doing something kind of fun that would terrify me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I do stand up comedy. Um I've been I was in a group and they would do like whose line is it anyway. Um and then I I did make some goals that I wanted to do stand up comedy last year and so I did it and it was amazing and I plan on doing it a lot more too. So what? yeah, it's just so much fun.
1: <laughs> what um what made you think I'd like to do stand-up comedy? Because I don't think everybody—I mean, I—I'm sure there's a <laughs> lot of people out there, but I think especially with people who've had some self-esteem stuff or some anxiety, fears, like getting up in front of a K, uh, crowd on a stage—that's a pretty big one,
0: <laughs> you
1: know. Yes, it,
2: really it is. is. It totally is. It is the one thing I think about me is I'm an extrovert. And I think just growing up in church and being in front of people all the time and just being in charge of things and just yeah. giving talks and just all that. And I have to say, being an extrovert, I'm very dramatic. I'm very outgoing, just very, I always wanted to be in front of people. And yeah. I, I need, I think it's probably my because of my love language. I just need that kind of love like that. I love a microphone. I just always have, I love being on stage. Um, so it kind of feeds my, it fills my cup to do it. It's scary, but I feel like, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where I'm comfortable is being in front of people and entertaining and, and I connect with people really well. So there's just, there's just something about being with people, you know, and especially making them laugh because it is the best medicine ever. So yeah
1: with you I um I don't always want to be on stage but (laughs) I do love being in a room with people where there's a lot of really positive energy and laughing and talking like that is like a a Vitamin for me that just boosts oh, sure. me like crazy. So I yeah I get that feeling and I love that yeah. too. But I'll let you yeah. stay on the stage. I'll just be in the audience cheering you
0: <laughs> on. <laughs> oh That's my gosh, okay you,
2: know, <laughs> you know, like in, in church when we would have like um, little skits or you'd get to do lip syncing or something. oh I just love that so much. Yeah, I, I skip those days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I can't be there and I'm going. Can I take her spot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that would be me
1: <laughs> yeah, I was too anxious and shy and scared yeah by, um but I love yeah but as I've gotten older I realized that was just anxiety feeling uncomfortable yes insecure and I'm getting more and more comfortable with that stuff but mm-hmm. but yeah the energy in the room is very much a yeah, it can supercharge us up if that's if we're yeah. in our space doing our thing whatever mm-hmm. it is yeah that's yeah. A really good feeling isn't it that's yeah, our passion. Yeah. Do yeah, what our soul exactly. calls us to do.
2: Yeah. And you know, everybody has a different calling, like what yeah. you're doing, what um, a doctor does. I don't want to be a doctor. So somebody needs to want to do that, you know, or a dentist or, and that's what I always tell people. And like, you know, everybody, when I, when I worked at Ulta, I connected hard with people when they would come in. And I would talk to them and they would be like, oh, I could never do what you do. And I'm like, but you're a nurse. Do you understand? I could never do that. You, we have to have people that are passionate about all things because we all, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do your job, but you (laughs) you don't think you can do my job. But everybody has a passion. And that's when, you you know, you're going to be good at something is because you have a passion. So um, like me writing a book in November when I wrote, for NaNoWriMo, it's called no- National Novel Writing Month. Oh, so you cool. sit down November 1st and then you finish the 30th and it's a 50,000 word book. And so it's about 200 pages and you just sit down and write it. And so I sat down and I just wrote it. I wrote mine in 28 days. It was the uh-huh. highest high. And you know what I did was for me, my anxieties were cr- like the critics in my head. It was all those voices in my head. And it would keep me from doing things, especially if I was scared to do it. But for so long, I've loved writing and I've always wanted to be a writer. And my kids are old enough that I was like, okay, I can take the month and just kind of ignore them a little bit. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a place in a book, it's called no plot, no problem. And it's kind of a book that goes along with Nana Remo. and there's a little rectangle spot. It's black. And you put your thumb on it, I think. And you give up the critic it's and you say like, I give up the critic for this whole, you know, process. And I did that and I can't even tell you it was the highest high. It was almost as good as having a baby, <laughs> that newborn That's and good. having a baby, but it was just and like, when I, when I was going to hit the end, it just was like, ah, oh, I mean, it was the biggest high. And I enjoyed every single minute I wrote that book
0: mm-hmm. and I,
2: I had just given up the critic and I just let it go. And, and I, it was amazing. And yeah. we all need to do that for ourselves.
1: Yeah. Regardless of whether we're writing a book or not, we all have yes. an inner critic that's, mm. you know, criticizing or judging us and yeah. how, how powerful is it, especially the younger we could teach our teach people to
2: do yes. that, the better. Exactly. And you know what? And I, my kids get kind of annoyed with me, but I'm like, who doesn't want you To do this? Who doesn't want you to progress and and whatever? And I said, it's Satan. That is Satan. Because no Christ would never want you to to be scared or fear or or not or hold back or not do your passion. I mean, we're told to use our talents. And for so long I thought I did not have any talents because mine aren't really, you can't really see them. So I was like, what am I talented at? Because I can't just sit down and crochet a blanket. So mine aren't really seen except for maybe the book, but do you know what I mean? Like I can connect with people and, you know, I can make people laugh and whatever, but it's not a painting where you can say, oh, that's a nice painting. And so for so long, I was like, I just need, I need, I need talents. But then I figured out what, you know, people, some people can make people laugh. Some people can't, some people can paint, some people can write, you know, we all have our thing and that's what we need to understand is. We all have something and we all have something to give. And maybe that day you don't wanna go to work is the day that you need to be there because you're gonna help a person decide not to end their life. I mean, we have power in us where we can help people. And, you know, I used to call out of work a lot and I would think, well, they don't need me because I'm nobody special. And if I'm not there, it won't make a difference. But then I realized, wait a minute, I am, I am somebody worth being there and they do need me and I do make a difference, you know, so we just can't think like that we have to think that we are worthy and that we can help others, you know.
1: Absolutely. So, I love it. Yeah. They're all amazing messages. I love, we've covered so, so many different topics today, little yeah. nuggets of wisdom throughout the whole thing. As you've shared your story, it's been really fun to have those little nuggets drop and and be able to take those and, and watch how your story, when you picked up all those things, how it's brought you to somewhere, just really beautiful and really amazing, yeah. and really inspiring. So I'm really excited to hear your story. I appreciate you sharing it with us today. Yes. Is there something like any other, I mean, I think you've given us so many good nuggets, but is there any advice or wisdom or just one (laughs) last thought you want to share with people, especially like women struggling with, you know, hey, everybody feels a little insecure. Not all of us are going to get to Dr. Phil though. So what do you you recommend? (laughs) What's one more piece of advice to share this, this? Let
2: me. um i i would say hmm you know just you just have to get to that point where christ would have died for you if it was just you um you have to just know without a doubt that you're heavenly father's daughter that you're a daughter of a king and that no matter how you look no matter your size no matter any of that. And you know, the other thing is I always think of is, I mean, I just saw a lady on TikTok that doesn't have a nose and I've seen a girl on TikTok. She can't use the bottom half of her body. And one time I thought about this and I thought, you know what? I am beautiful because there are people out there that would love to be, to to be as beautiful as me or to have my body or you know what I mean? Like we can't take for granted what heavenly father gave us because yeah. you don't know when that's going to get taken away. You don't know what's going to happen. You, ha- you need to love yourself the way heavenly father meant you to be because you don't know. Right. And when you, when something happens and you, you aren't ready for that, you're, it's going to be that much harder, yeah. but we need to be, we just need to be thankful for how beautiful we are. And, and no matter what, no matter your size, no matter anything, because we all, like I said, we all have value and we just need to appreciate it and be thankful for it because heavenly father gave it to us and then our bodies are amazing. So,
1: yeah, it's so true. Some people are praying for the things that we have.
2: Yes, Exactly.
1: so we got to recognize that what we do have is a gift. I love it. Thank yes. you so much for joining us today. Yes. If, if somebody wanted to reach out with you, connect with you, talk with you, how would be uh, the best way for them to connect?
2: So I would let lo- anybody that needs help or wants to talk. I It's Facebook. So it's Starla Moss, M-O-S-S. And then um, TikTok is Starla Moss one. So you can hit me up there. And I do have an Instagram. I think it's Starla underscore Moss. So yeah, any of those, and don't be like, feel free to hit me up because I love talking to people and helping and, and whatever, and being support.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. I know you, I know being around you would, um, would boost up lots of people. So I hope, oh,
2: thank you out to you. So (laughs) thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Well, as always, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming. And thank you to um, Starla for being our guest this week. Um, And as always, I'm just going to wish you guys all an anxiety-free and a gratitude-filled day.